Welcome to Beyond Agriculture, the podcast that takes you beyond the scope of ag and into the real-life stories, conversations, and events taking place in our community. Who we are and what we do is Beyond Agriculture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond Agriculture. This is Caleb Sadler speaking here. I've got Tom Zach Evans on with me here and a guest with us, Savannah Robin, and of course, the man behind the scenes, Ben Robin, with us on as well. Savannah, we're going to get started and just kind of open it up for a little bit of discussion with you. And uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, and, and we'll go from there. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, My name is Savannah Robin. I am a native of Louisville, Kentucky originally, and now I reside in Bourbon County and live in Paris with my husband and our wonderful girls. We've got three kids, um, two little ones, um, six and eight, and then we have a 17, well, just turned 18-year-old. So, um, yeah. Savannah, I also know that you all have quite the extensive uh, farm operation going on out there. Can you tell us some about that? Yeah, so Ben and I, um, along with our girls, have 70 acres that we raise beef cattle on, and we have a retail meat business, so we have Robin Ridge Farms, and so we have commercial cattle and registered cattle as well, but we primarily um, source our animals for our meat our meat business at this time. Um, we also raise cut flowers, and our girls are involved in a bunch of different endeavors. We've got a handful of sheep and some goats and donkeys and all kinds of other little oh, critters I out there. I forgot about the donkey, so... Oh, Andy will not for, let you forget much longer. Now we have two, so yeah, he has a best friend. That's awesome. Yeah, so. and after owning sheep, I know they can be uh, very labor-intensive between trimming feet and shearing the wool and uh, just keeping a sheep alive, period. <laughs> so yes, now, Ben, on our right. first episode, gave some insight that you all were potentially going to show some goats this year. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I mean, what are you looking forward to? I mean, which child? It's Finley. Okay. So Finley has been a goat girl for the last three years. And a couple of years ago, when, when Andy got Sammy for Christmas, the donkey, um, Finley got a couple of little goats, and we didn't know if it was going to pass. So we thought, we'll just test it out with these little dwarfs. And if she still loves them, we'll invest. And it's not gone away. She has been so addicted. So now she has Ruthie Jane, which is her little goat. And she wanted to doe so she could breed it. You know, she wants to go on that end instead That's of the awesome. market side. So she's hopefully we'll hit a couple shows this summer and just kind of get in that world. You know, I come from horse showing, so I don't know much about showing livestock on well, the other ends. And I can tell you just from my from my aspect, I'm sure Tom's I can tell you too. But when you raise your own and you show your own livestock, it means a lot more at the end of the day when you walk in the ring or you walk out of the ring. It don't matter if you're first or last. Just from the standpoint that you raised whatever you brought to that show, that means a lot at the end of the day. You mentioned the horses. Uh, I I remember seeing some pictures a while back of you um, with the quarter horses, and you were president of the Associate. Tell us about that. Yeah, so when I, I grew up showing quarter horses as a kid and grew up in Equine 4-H and Horse 4-H, and um, we got really involved in the American Quarter Horse Association. And so I was, my freshman year of college was the national youth president for AQHA. Wow. So got to travel around and advocate for the breed and just the importance of the equine industry as a whole. So what's a funny story about the 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 lamb or the sheep you have to tell that yeah so well I guess kind of starting out with that um, all of our girls have their own business endeavors so Andy decided she was going to have sheep and we said if you earn your own money and you raise enough to buy it then that's fine 
So she decided to make biscuits and sell biscuits, and she sold enough biscuits, Baby Jane's biscuits, to buy her sheep, which she in turn Baby named, Jane, I love yeah, that. <laughs> which she in turn named Biscuit. Um, and so one day we were driving home, and it was right before Easter, and Finley was just reflecting on the time and the sacrifice that Jesus made, and um, she looked over at Andy and she said, you know, I'm sure glad that Jesus died for our sins so that we don't have to put biscuit up on the altar. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. so you were talking there too, and that kind of feed off that a little bit. Uh, what other endeavors are your all's kids involved in? Because I know the oldest, she does hand soap, if I remember correctly. Yes. So Lexi is our senior in high school. She's getting ready to graduate. She's going to UK and we're so proud of her. Um, But she has her own business called Eden Soaps. And so she has been able in Eden being the Garden of Eden and bringing in the purity of things. um, She's really empowered by social justice and change. So she's been working with some organizations and parts of her proceeds of her soap sales go to Refuge for Women, which is a organization for women who have been exploited. um, And then other soap sales go towards Black Soil, Kentucky. So an organization for promoting the growth of black farmers in Kentucky, which is incredible. So she does a lot of that too. And I do know that is another area that Central Kentucky Ag Credit really sponsors and really looks out for as well too. I know you work at the University of Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about what you do there and and, uh, maybe we'll kind of feed off that. Yeah. So I am an agriculture teacher by trade. So I originally went to college to be a high school ag teacher, and I did that for a number of years, uh, most recently in Harrison County. So my my training is in career and technical education. Um, I have been at the University of Kentucky now, though, going on four years, which is really hard to believe. And in that position, I serve as the internship coordinator and manage career development for students within the equine science and management undergraduate program. So we have a few... we have a, few, that's a little a big, over 300 kids. That's so. a big, long title. Can you break that down a little bit for us and explain uh, kind of what that means? Yeah. So um, in my position, um, I am responsible for helping our students really figure out their career path. So thinking through what is their role and responsibility, um, the equine industry in Kentucky is very broad, um, but we really focus on who students are. So I get them as freshmen and we take an equine careers class. We start thinking through who they are, what their personal mission statement is, and start really helping them identify what their strengths are, their values, and then how that determines what they should do with the rest of their life. Um, So the career development process and journey is ever evolving. I mean, it's not just looking for a job that you need, but it's really helping students identify that path. So that's one piece. Um, And so I build them as freshmen. We start identifying different things, and then we kind of evolve through their undergraduate career And a part of our program is an internship requirement. And so our students do a rigorous internship experience. And throughout that process, they do another series of career development pieces with that. So I manage the courses within that, teach at the university, and then help come back in their capstone class and help them prepare for jobs and careers once they're ready to apply. So needless to say that uh, you have a big influence on kids and the youth, uh, not just in your current role right now, but uh, previously as well as an ag educator before that. And there's there's a lot of students in the equine programs at UK, right? I mean, it's a pretty big... Yeah, we have a close to 300. So we're oh, wow. one of the largest undergrad programs within the College of Agriculture, Food and Environment. Um, and like 80% of our students are from out of state. So a lot of the students come to Central Kentucky for the equine industry specifically. Now, do you all have like the farms around here in Central Kentucky? Do they reach out to you all in regards to the intern program about maybe taking students or or do you just have like a group of farms that are in the wheelhouse that you all refer kids to at that point in time? 
A little bit of both. Um, that part of the knowing the students and what their capacity and capabilities are comes into that when we figure out where we recommend them go. Um, but, you know, even their freshman year, we make them job shadow or I encourage them to job shadow require it. And um, we encourage them to go out to different places and see different experiences. Um, but I have employer relations with tons of the different farms, the different employers, the different um, feed mills, companies, anything that has to do with supporting the equine industry to generate an opportunity for students to really expose them to what different types of careers exist within the industry and also, um, you know, within agriculture in general in Kentucky. Does this encompass um, all types of equine, such as quarter horses, um, thoroughbreds, Hunter jumpers, Budweiser Clydesdales. We actually just posted a job for the yeah. Budweiser Clydesdales just oh, no today. Joke. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have an internship and a full time uh, position that's in not the, with us, but that we're encouraging students to apply for. So yes, it is very diverse. So it serves every breed, every discipline, um, and that's something too that we try to encourage our students to think through is the broadness and the scope that is the equine industry. And beyond that, you know, veterinary science and research and what can go into the it across the across the spectrum. Okay, so yeah, give us some exa examples of um, different jobs that students could land when they come out of this. Oh, that's a great question. So I have students that go on to law school and go to be an equine lawyer, and we got students that go into MBA, get an MBA. Um, so we've kind of the business side of things. So part of our program focuses on business and management. So that's kind of what those students focus on: sales, marketing. Um, I have a student right now that is working for a hay company and selling hay for equine. You call Tom Zach with and, that one. He's, he's going to talk <laughs> hey, about that. Hey, she's in Maryland. <laughs> um, she's, uh, but it's primarily goats and horses. So she markets and sells um, hay out that direction. We've got people that work in equine pharmaceuticals, farm managers, repro specialists, veterinarians. Racetracks. Um, yep, they're working at racetracks. I have a student right now that actually just left for... Um, Gulfstream Park yesterday. And so oh, he'll wow. be interning for three weeks with um, one of the big uh, Gulfstream Park down there and first in the Ed Brown Society. So we've got a number of different opportunities that they can go into. And um, it is very broad. Now, I know you're really involved with the, the kids and youth and within the College of Ag, um, but you also serve a vital role in the community here in Bourbon County as well. Uh, and I serve on some boards with you here in the county. Could you give some insight into the things that you do locally around the county? Yeah, so I've served on our County Farm Bureau board for going on 13 years. <laughs> I started very young just to kind of make sure you didn't think I was over the age, <laughs> different age. Um, and I have served in a bunch of different capacities from scholarship generation to education grants, um, ag education committees. Um, I was past president of our county. I was the first female and the youngest person to ever serve in that capacity, which was really exciting. Um, and that opportunity and those opportunities have led me to being really engaged within our community and some of the service outreach events, but also being involved in the State Farm Bureau as well. So I serve on our state education committee for Kentucky Farm Bureau and then also on the strategic planning committee for Vision 100, which really helps think through what Kentucky Farm Bureau will look like in the next 100 years, which is really cool. Being able to be on the front end of that and think through strategically what do we want Farm Bureau to look like and how can we provide resources to county Farm Bureaus is important. So, Savannah, I know the real reason that we have you here today at Central Kentucky Ag Credit is, is you're going to teach a training uh, to the staff here today regarding question, persuade, and refer, a QPR training with uh, for the association at that point in time. And I guess you could say, let's give us some insight into that and what that is and, and how we can make farmers and listeners aware of this program. 
Yeah. So as we all know, being involved in the agriculture community um, and maybe being on the front end of it, but maybe some people don't know the stigma around, around mental health in rural areas and in specifically with agriculture is um, very prevalent. And so being able to get out into communities and help people understand the importance of access to resources for mental health awareness um, and suicide awareness programs is extremely important. Um, agriculturalists and older men in rural communities have one of the highest rates of suicide. And so how do we on the front end of that um, help alleviate some of those problems. So um, I am, and I serve as an agricultural community member uh, through the Southeast Center for Agriculture Health and Injury Prevention. Um, this is through the Kentucky State Legislation Appropriation, but I was reached out to by this group and as a representative of agriculture community to say, hey, can we can you be a trainer? Um, can you be trained to go out into different communities and with different organizations to be able to help them understand what the signs and signals are for um, somebody who is in a situation where they may be contemplating suicide or taking their own life? Where, uh, you know, I know that this program exists and, and, and you're out there to train it, but it, let's say that we were out in the field and, and we were producers that were going through something like this. Where can they physically go to get this help or, or what can they do to make sure that they get the help that they need? Yeah, so the thing that we're doing is I'm going around and helping. I'm one of the members that is trained to go around to different organizations and help make other people aware of it. So like today here with Central Kentucky Ag Credit, I will help loan officers and folks that are involved in this office understand signs and symptoms to look for when you're in your ag community. Um, so my job will be to help you understand what the referral process looks like, how to talk to somebody, how to disarm somebody in a situation to make them feel more comfortable when they're having the conversation and how to have it appropriately. And then in a way that doesn't discourage them or encourage them um, either direction. So the goal is for you to help refer them to the resources that are available. And um, there's a lot of resources and I can provide a link for your show notes that have the direct access and links to phone numbers for um, NAMI and the different suicide awareness hotlines. Um, but there are a lot of different programs that people can find themselves into. And it's really about how do you identify when somebody is at that place that they need to be talked to. Is this something that the that you know us the loan officer would um, contact, or are we giving um, the farmer, rancher, are we giving them the contact information? That's a good question. So part of this program encourages you to have a conversation, to question, right, to start saying, okay, are you having some thoughts? If that's the case, what can we do? Um, and then it's to persuade them that there is a little bit of hope and we'll go through what that looks like and how to officially have that that conversation. And then it's to refer. A big part of it is that you will help walk them through the process to get them to that referral piece so that they don't feel alone. As we know that a lot of times people that get to that stage feel like they would be better off if they were not a burden on someone else. And so the last thing that we want them to do in those moments is feel burdensome. And so how can we encourage them to not feel that way? And I would also say, you know, being a loan officer and being on the opposite side of the desk, you know, it's not this is necessarily, you know, distressed credits or distressed accounts that we see this in. You know, this is across the board. It doesn't necessarily have to be a distressed borrower or a distressed person that's going through a lot of stress within their life. Yeah, as we all know, there there's certainly a lot of challenges on the farm. Um, yeah. You know, calving season's going on right now, and I've had several farmers that have 
um, either lost calves in the mud or due to uh, vulture strikes, um, disease go through the herd. Um, and that's easy to get you down during these times um, when you start losing a lot of livestock. The same thing on the crop side. I mean, look at the markets right now and the that's inputs. Right. Um, it's stressful. I know just from our standpoint, trying to nail down where, where these inputs are going to land and also, um, you know, forward contracting and trying to make the right move and then also regretting later that maybe there was a lot of money left on the table. So certainly a lot of, of stress out there right now. Yeah. I would say, too, a lot of that is is just the uncertainty. Um, you know, That's farmers right. can't control anything at that point in time and they're at the mercy of um whatever the weather is that day i mean they can't control it so yeah and i mean you all have the relationships with them you know is a good thing i mean they're they're already in here you know you're either updating up financials or you know talking about markets or something so you know you all are on the, the front end of that too so you know i mean i think that everything that you mentioned is exactly why these trainings exist and exactly why this is so important to address mental health and suicide awareness in rural communities and specifically in agriculture i mean we talk about the fact that everything is uncertain you know a war could happen hypothetically or in yep. real life and change everything um, you know, the weather, like, I mean, all the specific examples that you gave are reasons um, that cause additional stress and the high risk. Um, you also have a population that is very isolated. You know, I mean, unless they're going to McDonald's in the morning and maybe having coffee with a group of people, um, unless they have a really great relationship with those folks, they're not really going to talk about the stressors. They're going to tell jokes and kind of keep it lighthearted. And so you have a, a population of people who are isolated who are also don't have great access to, to rural health, you know, especially in small towns. You pull up to the counselor's office and your car is parked outside and then your best buddy drives by and says, hey, I saw you parked outside. Is everything going on? And so reaching out to get help is hard because then you think everybody's watching you or that not everybody's going through the same thing that you're going through. Afraid to be judged at the end of the day. Yeah. And so there is that stigma on what it means to get help. And so if we can start identifying it, encouraging people that it's okay, we're on this together and that we're not alone. You know, there's there's research that shows it's not one isolated event that will cause it. It's a lot of isolated events over time that have just compounded. So yeah. I know, go ahead, Tom, Zach. Yes, man, you bring you. up some good points there that I know as a loan officer just over the last 10 years that um, when we've had stressful times like this, I've, I've had farmers come in and sit down in my office and they admit to me that um, they said, you know, I haven't even talked to this. I haven't even talked about this to my wife, you know, the stuff I'm telling you. Um, so you're right. They, they like to keep it kind of bottled up. And uh, sometimes we are the ones that are, that are hearing the information for the first time, the things that are, you know, that have them stressed out and worried about the future um, or their livelihood and their family. Which they carry a ton of weight for. You know, you think about the population that believes that they are providing this farm and they're working so hard for this endeavor to pass on to the next generation and then to carry the responsibility that you've let it go or that you couldn't carry that for them in the way you needed to is really stressful. Well, and two, on the flip side of that is, is we're at a generation where a lot of the youth are not willing to farm at that point in time. And the farmers having to go underneath the stress of that, of, of what, who takes on this, or they have to go into the stress of liquidating assets and, and just to retire. So. 
Well, and you bring up a point, too, about the young farmers getting into the industry. You know, many, as you all know, you farm and you work off the farm. And so the long hours, you know, you're working two full-time jobs. You're getting up before you go to your other job, trying to make sure that the cows are fed or the fields are taken care of. And then you come home and the whole reason you wanted to farm was to have time with your family. And then you feel like you're putting so much pressure on and you never you have time for them at the end right? of the day. And you can't make farm payments because you don't have, you know, if you don't have the job, you can't make those payments. And so it's a really stressful situation all the way around. That kind of brings me, I guess, into the next topic here. And, and one thing, you know, obviously we know you sitting across the table here, but a lot of listeners don't know you and you have a very, very hectic schedule to keep up with. And that would be my next question for you is, is how do you balance everything between work and, and life on the farm and, and what you have going on? And how do you keep that all balanced? That is a good question. Um, I think, honestly, I kind of referred to this when I talked about my students earlier was um, having a personal mission. Um, I believe that you should have a mission statement for your life and whatever you do in life, every decision you make, every activity you participate in, anything that you choose to do should be filtered through what you think is the lens of that. And so for me, my pillars are my faith, my husband, my my children. I want to be the best mom and wife I can be. And I believe that my job is my ministry and how I serve my students and how I serve my community. And so the other thing is, you know, I have a lot of friends that'll be like, man, don't you, aren't you sad your kid was out late with you that night at a meeting? And for me and for Ben, you know, I think I can speak for both of us is we want to instill in our kids the importance of community and getting and being a part of your community and giving to others in service. And so for them, it has to be modeled. And so we can't expect them to go on and be community leaders if they can't see it in their parents themselves, too. So, um, you know, I, I keep a schedule. I'm terrible about it. I'm I'm delayed and slow to respond to emails and text <laughs> messages. People tell me, I mean, I'll have 200 unread messages. So there are things that's, that I'm that's not. Low too. <laughs> that's low, That's on the low side. <laughs> there are things that I'm not good at. Um, but at the end of the day, I extend a whole lot of grace to a lot of people. And I just pray that they extend that same grace back to me, knowing that I have the best intentions in what I'm doing. Talk about the work-life balance, too portion of that she is extremely efficient like a lot more efficient than i am so yeah. that is I'll, true yeah. that is true i do she a lot of work lot, from the car a lot um, <laughs> i was gonna say just knowing her sitting here as well uh, i can tell she's very efficient yeah. yeah like when she has to wait like 30 minutes to get going on something <laughs> she's like she got freaking out she's well, like, i have I to have my day scheduled yeah, yeah. i was okay. joking around earlier i have a plug for my car that i can plug my computer into my best friend got it for me for my birthday so that i can plug in my computer so that if I'm waiting in the kid pickup line, I can still take a Zoom call oh or do whatever gosh. I need to do um, so that I don't miss something. But. Wow. Well, I uh, really appreciate your time, Savannah, here, uh, and uh, really look forward to the training here this afternoon with Central Kentucky Ag Credit. And I really appreciate everyone tuning in to listen to the next episode on Beyond Agriculture. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. This episode of Beyond Agriculture is brought to you by Central Kentucky Ag Credit. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Be sure to visit agcreditonline.com slash beyondagriculture, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can join us next time for Beyond Agriculture.